Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about backpacking Southeast Asia alone as a solo female traveler. But first, of course, let's talk about cocktails. This week, the cocktail that I'm featuring is called the Jungle Bird, which, if I am correct, is a fairly famous Malaysian cocktail. So correct me if I'm wrong, please. If someone knows better, (laughs) send me a message. I'm specifically thinking of my friend Lavi, who is Malaysian. (laughs) Lavi, if I'm wrong, just like hit me up. But the Jungle Bird cocktail is one and a half ounces of dark rum, three-fourths ounce of Campari, about half an ounce of Demerara, syrup. So one part demerara sugar and one part water, just like simple syrup, but with demerara sugar. An ounce and a half of fresh pineapple juice and then half an ounce of fresh lime juice and then a nice little pineapple wedge for a garnish. So very fruity, very delicious, but like also with this dark rum Campari like bitterness underneath. More of like a tiki beach drink, but very delicious nonetheless. And as I mentioned last week, I'm on TikTok now. So if you want to see how how to make this drink, hop over to my TikTok. It's just at the tipsy traveler and I'll show you how to make it. Alrighty. So let's talk about traveling by myself. Traveling alone was something that I was told over and over again that I shouldn't do. I grew up in a family that was fairly conservative, and so the idea of a young female going out into the world on her own was terrifying for my parents and grandparents. Um, And I don't mean that in like a mean way, it's just what they knew. However, I am (laughs) persistent, independent. So being the person that I am, I did it anyway. And honestly, it was one of the greatest trips because it was not necessarily the first time that I had traveled alone, but it was the first time that I had traveled alone where I wasn't meeting up with anyone during the time. So I started in Southeast Asia and when I flew to Australia afterwards, I did meet up with a friend. Her name is Una. It was one of the first times that I was like really, really, really on my own with like no one coming to meet up with me. So it felt really powerful and I was excited. So the plan was to fly from Seattle to Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, stay a couple days, I think like five or six days, and then fly to Bangkok, spend like a week in Bangkok, fly to Singapore, spend like a week in Singapore, and then fly to Australia after that or something like that. I think I had six weeks total and like two of them were spent in Australia. So about a month hopping around Southeast Asia. But the thing is, is I flew to Ho Chi Minh, had a great time. I flew to Bangkok and I spent one day there and I was like, it's too hot. It's too crowded. I cannot stay here. So instead of spending a week in Bangkok, I spent one day and then I got on a train to Seratani, which is a city kind of on the coast of Thailand. And then from there, bust to Phuket. And then from there, hopped on a ferry to the Phi Islands and stayed there for a couple of days. And then got back on another ferry, went to Krabi, spent a couple days in Krabi, which is also in Thailand, and then bust 12 hours to Kuala Lumpur, spent a few days in Kuala Lumpur, hopped on a train to Singapore, 
and spent a couple days in Singapore and then went to Australia. So essentially, I just missed my flight from Bangkok to Singapore and just spent that time hopping around Thailand and Malaysia. I'm going to do a whole episode on how to unplan a trip because I really love this a lot. I like showing up in a place and having one night of stay booked. So that way, if I don't like the place or if I find something else I want to be doing, I'm not missing out on a week of hotel bookings or a week of hostel bookings. I think the only thing that I actually missed was that flight from Bangkok to Singapore and it literally cost me like $35. So I was not super concerned, but I didn't have a week of hotel or a week of anything booked in Bangkok. So I didn't have to skip out on that or lose that money. So I want to tell you about some of the fun things that I did along the way because I also at the time was in grad school online. So the entire time that I was traveling, I also was in school. (laughs) And it was actually kind of fun because I was in grad school for journalism. So I remember trying to find people who would let me interview them and take their pictures and share their stories for different projects that I was doing while I was there because a lot of the things that we had to do for journalism school, journalism school? (laughs) For grad school. was put together essentially like news pieces, right? So uh, over the course of the year, we had to have like one main focus and dive into different areas of it by interviewing people and and in different ways. So sometimes via video, sometimes via audio, sometimes with a photo story. This is where I learned photography and I am a full-time photographer if you didn't know. So it's kind of where I got my kickstart into learning all of these different things like web design and social media and how to edit audio and how to edit video and how to take and edit photos. Anyway, so that was kind of a fun little added thing that I was doing along the way because I had no clue where to start. (laughs) I didn't know if it was like chill to walk up to people on the street and be like, hey, um, my name's Rachel. Can I interview you for a school project? (laughs) Which is kind of what I did. I tried to focus on like business owners and marketplace stall owners. And different things like that, as opposed to just like people on their way, like walking to work or walking, you know, wherever they're going. I tried to find people who were kind of stationary already. And then I had a lot of people tell me no. So that was also really fun. (laughs) But especially when I was on the PP Islands. So I've talked a little bit about the PP Islands before in an episode with my boyfriend, Brian, because we went back to Thailand or I went back to Thailand. He had never been before, but we went to Thailand this past December. So we ended up in the PP Islands again, and they're really small and fairly touristy. So trying to find a local to interview for a journalism project was a struggle. This is also probably the trip that proved to me, (laughs) that I proved to myself that I could work for myself because I had plenty of days where I wanted to be out and about doing things, but instead I was in the hostel or at a coffee shop working on school projects and finishing up things to submit for school. And it was a really big test of my uh, (laughs) self-control, of my self-control and what I could actually accomplish while wanting to do other things. So I think that whenever I was starting to get nervous about working for myself full-time, I would look back on this trip and be like, no, I can do this. Like I can separate 
social and fun things from business and work things and like have a good balance because I've done it before. Anyway, let me just hop off that tangent really quick. So some of the things that I did, let's see. I guess one of the cool like, oh my gosh, the world is so small moments that I had was in Krabby. So I was there for a couple days and I met two girls that were studying abroad, I think for an entire year in Bangkok. So they were studying in Bangkok. I met them in Krabby because they had like a long weekend or something off of school. And so they were in Krabby just traveling and they were German. Not that that matters, but they were. Um. (laughs) And the last night that I was in Krabby, they talked me into going on this pub crawl with them. And so I went and at one of the stops along the way, there was a person with a UW hat on. So University of Washington, it's where I graduated from undergrad. And I'm in this tiny little bar in Krabby and I see someone with a UW hat on and I was like, wait, whoa, I have to go talk to them. And so I go up to this guy and he's like, oh yeah, like I'm just about to graduate or something like that. And he was there with his family and we started talking and he adds me on Facebook and we have a mutual friend. Her name is Una. And I'm actually on my way on this trip to go meet Una in Australia. (laughs) And he like grew up with her or something. And it was just like such a, this is such a small world feeling, which I really love. And honestly, I get that a lot. It's crazy how often I'm traveling in a random little town in the middle of nowhere. And I meet someone who knows someone that I know. (laughs) It's really great. And it makes me feel like we're all connected in some way. I'm not going to get too cheesy, but (laughs) that night I also had either left my wallet at home or lost it or maybe I didn't have any more cash. I don't know. There was some problem with my money and the two girls that I was with bought me a bunch of chicken nuggets from Burger King and I remember just living my best life sitting on (laughs) the curb (laughs) in crappy Thailand eating chicken nuggets at like two in the morning. So we got back to the hostel at like 3 a.m. and I had to catch a bus to Kuala Lumpur at 6 30 a.m. So and that bus ride was going to be about 12 hours long. (laughs) So yeah needless to say that next day was uh, a long day and I also noticed while traveling alone if you haven't picked up on it I'm fairly extroverted person. So the loneliest parts of traveling were on the trains and the buses because generally when I was at a hostel, I would meet friends. I would start chatting and like get to know people. I'm pretty sure everywhere that I went on this trip, I made at least one friend or like one connection and I hung out with them like while I was in the cities. But then when I would move locations, they weren't always going to the same places, pretty much never. They had their own itinerary. And so I would be alone, like alone, alone on the trains and buses. And I didn't have cell service. So it's not like I could just like call and chat with friends from home or like, you know, I had to entertain myself. And for 12 hours, it was a lot. (laughs) It was a big ask. (laughs) But I ended up getting to Kuala Lumpur, even though the bus ride was super long and miserable. (laughs) And I spent a couple days there. I remember mostly doing like the really touristy hop on hop off bus. But it was fun because I had never thought about going to Kuala Lumpur. It was not on my original plan plan. So I had to figure out what I wanted to see and what I wanted to do. And so the hop on hop off bus, while a little touristy, showed me kind of all of the highlights. And I also was writing down different restaurants I saw like as we were driving through the city to try later. So Kuala Lumpur was really fun. And I actually want to go back and spend more time because I only spent about 
three or four days there and I think that I missed out on a lot. But from there, I hopped on a train to Singapore, which is about an eight-hour trip. And again, the most lonely time (laughs) was on the train to Singapore or on any of the trains and buses. But when I was in Singapore, I decided that because I had kept to my budget very, very well and I had a little bit of extra money that I was going to take myself out on a nice date night. So I booked this boat tour through the city that was really cool and I did it at night so it'd be all nice and romantic for myself. (laughs) And then I had like a nice fancy dinner right on the water and it was delicious. Oh, that was another thing about traveling alone is eating alone. I don't deal well with that. (laughs) I just can't. I'm not one of those people who like goes to movies alone or goes to restaurants alone and when I see people doing those things alone, I feel sad. Like I want to befriend them and I want to go sit down with them and be like, hey, I'm here for you. You have a friend. You're not alone. But I know that some people enjoy it. I know that not everyone feels the same way about eating alone in a restaurant. So it was a learning experience for me, (laughs) for sure. I'm just realizing too that I just completely skipped over Ho Chi Minh City. So I'm going to go back now and talk about Vietnam, which was my first stop. So in Vietnam, I, like I said, I booked my flights and I booked my first night of hostels in Ho Chi Minh. When I landed, I think I landed landed at 10 30 11 p.m and then I had to get a taxi to the hostel and by the time I got to the hostel it was like one in the morning so everyone in my hostel room was already asleep and there were I think five other people in my room and I noticed when I was getting in there that they were all men and I was on my own this was the first night of this trip and I hadn't met any of these men so In my mind, they were just like mysterious creatures because they were all already asleep at 1 a.m. when I got there. I definitely slept with one eye open that night. I was just very concerned and I probably didn't need to be. But again, I did not know these men. And so it just was a little unsettling that I was the only woman in the room, but everything was fine. And then from there, I started staying in female-only rooms at hostels because I realized how uncomfortable I felt. And I was like, you know what? Unless I'm with someone, like if I meet some friend and I'm traveling with them and they want to stay in a mixed dorm room then I will but since I'm by myself I just feel a lot more comfortable staying in a female only dorm. Anyway other than that I loved Ho Chi Minh. It was really interesting to me because American history is (laughs) bad. (laughs) Just not good. American history classes just really didn't didn't serve us well guys. If you had asked me who had won the war in Vietnam, I could not have told you that it was the Viet Cong. I definitely thought it was us and that's just not true. But I did take a tour out to some of the tunnels that they used in warfare and I'm a tall lady. I'm like six feet tall. I don't know how many of you know that but crawling through those tunnels I've never felt more claustrophobic. It was also really interesting because I met a friend and he was like five foot two and so there are areas where like he was walking through like he could stand straight up and like walk through and I was hunched over like barely able to walk. Yeah, it was rough. And then there's also, they had some of the holes that they would like drop through to get into the tunnel that they hadn't widened at all. And I was like gonna climb down in it because you could drop down into it. And 
I was going to and the tour guide was like, yo, I don't think that's a good idea. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, your hips are really wide. So if you get in there, you won't be able to get out. And I was like, oh, okay, not climbing in this hole then because I do not want to get stuck in a hole in Vietnam. <laughs> but also a very strange experience because again, the, the Vietnamese soldiers were fighting Americans. So it was like a kind of an out-of-body experience to be there and know that. But overall, spending four weeks on my own, I felt uncomfortable a couple times, but I never truly felt like unsafe. And part of that, I'm sure, is that I had done a good bit of traveling before, so I knew how to not put myself in situations where I might feel unsafe. But just for any women who really want to travel alone, but are maybe a little timid or afraid, reach out to me. I feel very strongly that traveling alone, whether you're male or female, is one of the best ways to learn and understand yourself. You are really challenged to take a look at what's important to you because you don't have any of the normal comforting things around you. You are on your own. You have to make your own decisions and it just it speaks a lot about who you are as a person, I think. I'm also, I'm doing such a bad job of remembering. I just remembered something else. I was thinking through how much I spent on flights because I was going to say that if you want to travel cheaply on your own, Southeast Asia is a really great place to do it, except for sometimes the flights are expensive. And so I was thinking through how much I spent on my flight and I remembered that I flew to China first <laughs> and spent a day in Beijing. I bought a round trip ticket through Beijing for like $400 and I knew that I was not going to be able to find a ticket from Australia back to Seattle for cheaper than that. I checked all of this and like did my research beforehand, but I checked flights from Australia back to Beijing and they were pretty reasonable, I think like maybe $200. So total on those longer flights, I was spending like 600 bucks, which is pretty good getting from everywhere that I was going. Plus like the little flights in between from like Ho Chi Minh to Bangkok, Bangkok to Singapore, they were all like 20, 30, 40 bucks, pretty cheap. Anyway, but all that to say, I forgot that I spent a day in Beijing and actually I was supposed to spend two days in Beijing, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> so I was supposed to leave on like a Tuesday and I went to the airport and went through the entire process, was about to board and they were like, yo, how long are you spending in Beijing? And I was like, well, 36 hours, I think total. And here's my flight out because I knew that I couldn't spend more than a certain number of hours without a visa. And the visas were really expensive. I'm at the gate getting ready to board this flight. And they're like, yeah, no, sorry, we can't let you go. You can't spend more than 30 hours. And I was spending like 36 or something like that. And I was like, no, no, no. I researched it. This is what the government site says. And they're like, yeah, it's not right. We can't let you board this flight and I was so irritated and sad because I thought that I was gonna have to book a whole nother flight and that I wasn't gonna be able to get there and uh, it was so stressful. <laughs> the lady at the gate really hooked me up though. She was like, there's the same exact flight tomorrow. You can do it and you'll just spend, you know, like 12 hours in Beijing. And I was like, okay, cool. I can get on board with that. And she did it without any change fees and was really kind about it. I had to hop on the train back home and <laughs> spend another night in Seattle and I was so irritated. <laughs> 
mostly irritated too because the information that I had was from a .gov website, which I thought must have been right, and apparently it wasn't, and so that was also really frustrating. But either way, I was able to get on the flight eventually, and because I only had like 12 hours, I was not going to be staying the night in Beijing. I did have time, however, to leave the airport and go to the Great Wall of China, so did that. I hired a tour guide to pick me up from the airport, take me to the Great Wall. We hiked around for a couple of hours and then went back to the airport and I slept on the airport floor for like three or four hours and then got on my flight to Ho Chi Minh. So that was kind of cool being able to go the Great Wall. I really want to go back and spend more significant time there. Realistically, like I had an afternoon and it was kind of nice because it seemed like since it was the afternoon, most people were leaving when we showed up and so it was pretty empty, but I would absolutely love to go back to China and spend more time exploring the Great Wall and just Beijing in general. And I can't believe I completely forgot about that entire part of my trip. I mean, to be fair, it has been like four years, so it's not like this happened yesterday, you know? (laughs) And I'm old now. My brain just doesn't keep information the same way. But also, I can't remember if I finished the thought about encouraging female solo travelers or solo travelers in general to get out there and do it. If you want to, you should do it. Reach out to me and let's chat because I... I'm not an expert, but I've done a good bit of traveling and I'm a really great encourager. So if you're on the fence, like if you kind of want to do it, but you're unsure about A, B, and C, reach out to me and I will absolutely talk you into it. (laughs) It's one of the things I do best is talking people into traveling. So I'll even like look up flights for you and send them to you and be like, you need to book this right now. Yeah, I hope that you guys spend some time researching how you might could travel solo, even if you're older, even if you're an adult now and you're married or whatever else. I think that it's still really good to have these experiences on your own because ultimately, while your partner can be amazing, you travel differently with them than you would by yourself. You're not having to think through what the other person likes or how they're experiencing things or how you can cater to their needs or their wants. Even something as simple as like which restaurant to go to, you don't have to think about how the other person might feel about it. You can just make the decision, which is really fun. (laughs) You don't get that very often in life. Alrighty, I think that's just about everything that I wanted to, you know, ramble about today. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the internship that I did in Kenya. I lived in Kenya for about two and a half months back in 2014 and did an internship. I was working while I was there. So I'm going to be sharing some experiences from that time. In the meantime, check out TikTok, check out Instagram. We're at the Tipsy Traveler on TikTok and at the Tipsy Traveler official on Instagram. I'm going to keep you updated on podcasts and other things that we're working on here at Tipsy Traveler, including how to drink your way through different cities. I've been working on all kinds of guides to help you drink better when you travel. So it'll be really fun. I think we're going to launch those in the next week or two. And if you want to be the first to hear about it, hop on over to that social media.